It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. <laughs> oh, man, been having all kinds of problems with my Audio Technica mic uh, and, and Wirecast, the system that we use to broadcast. And uh, it's been working fine for many years, as you well know. And then all of a sudden, it just decided that uh, voice is not what? Voice is not working still? No, it's got to be now, right? Can you guys hear me? Somebody say, yes, we can hear you. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, some people are saying you're not. Some people are saying it is. Anyway, so we're going to do the Taxi Top 10 today. Uh, not necessarily the very best things that we've heard uh, in the last 30 days, but we do ask the screeners and the A&R staff to, whenever they hear something cool that would be really neat to hear on a Top 10 episode or to put it in the newsletter on the website, etc., so they collect the stuff up and then they kind of do an um, informal you know, process of going through it. And then it ends up on the website, in the newsletter, and on today's show. So we're going to listen to that stuff. While I was setting my levels with the microphone when it worked before, I was listening to some stuff and it was really good. So I'm excited to play it for you. Also, we're going to give away a copy today of Writing Production Music for TV by Steve Barden. If you don't already have this book, you really should. If you don't win one today, buy it. I don't make a penny from it. It will just make you more successful in the sync industry. Um, it, it's unbelievably good, unbelievably comprehensive. And Steve Barden deserves a round of applause. Okay, so there you go. Um, Man, oh man, thank you guys. Uh, I sent out an email like a week ago asking people to just send their thoughts about the road rally because I wanted to include that in this month's newsletter. Um, always freaks me out how many members we have that don't go to the road rally and people who go for the first time are like, wow, I can't believe everybody doesn't go to this every year. I know. And People get deals. People learn stuff that they had no idea about before. It's life-changing, and yet a lot of people don't go. And I understand the economy's tough right now, so plane flight and hotel for some people is more than they can handle. Someday, hopefully, the economy will turn around again. And when that happens, I sure hope they come. Meanwhile, let's listen to some music, okay? So... I just noticed when I got the list today that the first thing on it is from a lady named Diana DeVincenzi, and I just interviewed her about five days ago for the upcoming passenger profile in uh, the Taxi Newsletter. So uh, let's have a listen. This is Yes, I Can. Well, where's my cursor? Yes, I Can by Diana DeVincenzi.
you wanna stay in the night Yes, I can If you'd rather go and trip the light Yes, I can It don't matter what it is If you ask, my answer is Yes, I can Yes, I Can by Deanna DeVincenzi. Um, yeah, somebody mentioned Paul Coughlin in there. I know they work together all the time. I have no idea if those are real horns or samples. Um, no idea, but who doesn't like a Barry sax? Back when I was a button pusher, one of my favorite instruments to record. Just <sighs> balls from brass. <laughs> That's all I could say. Just love it. Um, that was impressive, gotta say. All right, let's listen to another one. Uh, this one is called Where Butterflies Meet, and it's by Belden Birch. And I believe, oh no, I thought that was an instrumental, but it's not. All right, here we go. Where Butterflies Meet. Butterflies in a spider web getting weak Trapped like me No way out I could see Touch the web Wondering if I should Unwrap the wings As softly as I could when you hold me together, they broke free. When I look in your eyes, I realize the hardest place of our lives sometimes. That's where butterflies meet. What's a song? Butterflies really far It's so high Can't ask if we could be more Like when you helped
Beautiful. Um, I don't know if that's the composer singing because the composer, the writer's name is Belden Birch. And frankly, I've never heard the name Belda before, so I'm not really sure uh, if Belden is a, a lady or a gentleman. And uh, But great title. Um, and I was kind of floating off into my own head there while it was playing, thinking of all the different types of scenes that if I were a music supervisor, what could I sync this with? And I think it's very, Belden is a man, Liz says. Okay, so unless Belden, um, no, nah, I'm not even going to go there. You know what I'm thinking. I'm just not going to say it. Nope, that was not Belden singing. I think we can rest assured, but whoever did sing it had a beautiful voice. And um, the mix was great. Everything about it was great. I think that that is eminently syncable in lovey-dovey movies, probably, uh, you know, stuff like you would see on Hallmark Channel, for instance. Um, yeah, really, really, really good. Heidi Owen, you get my demented sense of humor, right? But are, are you impressed at my incredible self-restraint? <laughs> I know my wife would be if she were watching. <laughs> oh, man. All right, uh, here's one called Why Don't We by Tanner Cherry. It's 20 in the city, the clouds aren't that pretty. My breath is the only warm thing today. It's barely winter. Feels like the weather is taking forever here to change. But why don't we fly away? Why don't we fly away? Find some sunshine today. We got nowhere to be. Why don't we 
Love that one too. Really, really nice. And yeah, you guys that were saying it's kind of Jason Mraz-esque, I believe you are correct. Um, and, and somebody said early on, you know, really like the vocal, but is it pitchy or is it in tune? Um, if it was, it was appropriately so for the style. Um, somebody just asked me about this over the weekend. Um, I'm trying to remember what my response was, but you know, there are times with certain types of songs, certain singers and certain vocal styles that you want perfection. Um, and then there's Neil Young. Could you imagine auto-tuning Neil Young? It would take the Neil right out of him. Um, there are other people like that, uh, that if things are too slick and too shiny, not good for the type of music for that artist. Um, so yeah, you want what is appropriate for the song. Uh, there is no, this is how it's gotta be all the time. That's part of a producer's job is determining, do we want a perfect vocal or do we want a vocal that is less than perfect but does a great job of giving the vibe up? You know, sometimes just a little bit of bend in a vocal makes it really much more authentic sounding. Um, like it can reach out, touch that person, feel what they're saying more. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Bob Dylan, there you go. <laughs> it's funny, back in my day, um, I did, I had the, extremely good luck to work with Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young on a record that never came out. It eventually came out <clears throat> with uh, Stills & Young did a record called the Stills Young Band, Long May You Run. And uh, Graham and David went their separate ways and did an album that had many of the songs that we'd worked on recut by them up in San Fran, I believe. And uh, that was called Whistling Down the Wire. But after that, uh, I was involved in a lot of discussions with the uh, folks about uh, Neil's voice. Uh, I was always a Neil Young fan from the first time I heard Harvest that day forward. Actually, you know what? Some of the, like Cinnamon Girl, oof, um, Down by the River, right? Yeah. Uh, He's not known for his vocal prowess, but his voice is unique and singularly identifiable and so cool and so perfect for who he is as an artist. So, but somebody once said to me uh, something about, well, Neil and Bob Dylan are very much in the same category. It's like no vocal coach could listen without wincing, but then they wouldn't be who they are. 
And uh, somebody else in the room, one of my engineer producer friends said something like, I never want to work on a record with those guys. About a year later, Neil walked into my studio in South Florida and said, oh, hey now, uh, you want to do an album? I remember you from Criteria. And I said, sure. And I was thinking, oh no, <laughs> because uh, Neil was not famous for making like really slick, polished records. And this was around the time that like Fleetwood Mac Rumors was out. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of the high watermark at the time. And frankly, I was a little freaked out about working with Neil. It turns out it was just Neil, myself, my assistant, Paul, who uh, is now dearly among the dearly departed, sorry to say, because he was a great guy. And just the three of us, 95% of the time, it's just the three of us. Uh, and it would just be Neil sitting on a chair out in the studio with his Martin and a, a vocal mic and a guitar mic. And... Sometimes we do really fun stuff, like take a grand piano and mic it in stereo, open the lid, and Neil would take a guitar pick and slide it across the strings to make the sound of an arrow flying by in stereo. And that's on um, the song Pocahontas, I believe, if I remember from like 40 years ago. Anyway, uh, my point being that one day, Neil, very early on, Neil said to me, you worry too much about equalizers and compressors and you know, getting stuff right, just, just go for the vibe, man, you know, just look at me through the window and let me know if I'm nailing what the song is about. It's all about the performance. It's not about perfection. And uh, he was so right. That, that was a, a teachable moment for me that has stayed with me for the rest of my life. So there you go. Um, and d did Neil tune his guitar? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, he always had, um, a, what was it called? A con strobe tuner, right? Uh, the one with the little wheel with the little black and white things all over it. And uh, Neil was constantly tuning his guitar. Um, he just liked to play between the frets. <laughs> a little closer to one fret than the other, whatever it was, uh, he had his own sound. And also when he played, it was like, um, like it was channeled through him, you know? He wasn't technical at all. He was just who he was and it worked and it still works. All right, enough stories about the 70s. Um, Oh, this one's going to be cool. This one's called Flapper Time, and it's by Warner Borgia, and it's an instrumental. Let's have a listen.
<laughs> I, I was ready to listen like another minute of that. I loved it. Um, and, and that was like a cool modern take on 1920s, you know, ragtime? No, not really ragtime. Um, what do you call that style? Um, anyway, I, I thought it was great. But, you know, you probably couldn't use it in a movie that actually took place like in the Bonnie and Clyde era because it's got modern sounds in it. it but um, Charleston, that was the dance. Was that the style of music? All right, I've got a quiz for you guys. I know an historical fact that's relevant to this. So we're going to play a little game. Uh, Star Wars bar scene. There you go. All right. Uh, and no cheating. Nobody can Google this. Do you know why flappers, who were the ladies that were famous for dancing to that music, why they were called flappers? No cheating. Ken Mesford, put down your phone, damn it. <laughs> um, why were they called flappers? I learned this because I watched the History Channel on Saturdays. <laughs> because of their dresses? Nope. Nope. Their dresses flapped as they danced? Nope. They flapped their arms? They did, but that's not why they're... I, I thought all these same things, and when I found out, I went, really? Um... Uh, all right, give you a couple more guesses and then I'll spill the beans because of the jewelry. Nope. All right. Uh, I'm looking around to see if I could draw it. Uh, 1920s jazz. Interesting. Uh, okay. They, because they talk too much? Ooh, you're not married, are you, Stu? <laughs> Because of the drinks they drank? No, it was because of their shoes. Here, I'm going to attempt to draw this for you guys because we have plenty of time today. We're cruising right through these. And being that I'm an old shoe salesperson from back in the day. Uh, There was a style. Now you're going to find out why I'm not in graphic arts. There was a style of boot or shoe that had these little leather flaps that folded down. And it was all the rage for young ladies who did that type of dance. And because the shoes, when they danced, the flaps would go up and down. Um, they called them flappers. See that? Anybody who says taxi TV is not educational, it's just flat out lying to you. This show is very educational. <laughs> oh man. The things that I've learned on the History Channel. That's right. I am the shoe man. Um, yeah, I had no idea until like um, the weekend after the rally, I, I literally took a Saturday and just didn't even get out of bed other than go to the men's room or 
you know, having a snack. I literally just stayed propped up against the headboard and watched TV all day and went, I can do that. So edutainment, there you go. Katrina, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, Al Bundy learned everything from Michael. Oh man, the stories I could tell you about working in a shoe department. Do you know that when you get in a shipment of new shoes, and usually you get like 10 to 20 of them uh, because of all the different sizes, obviously, and if it's a popular style and you get it in many sizes and many widths, maybe you get in 30 or 40 of them. So shoes are stacked up in the stock room in order of size. And so you have to... Um, how can I explain this? It's almost like a ladder effect. So like a six would be at the bottom, then six and a half, then seven, then seven and a half, whoops, then eight, eight and a half, blah, blah, blah. Then you get to the top and they start going down again. So it's up and down, up and down. So when you get in a new style, you can't just have the styles randomly scattered all over the shoe stock room. So penny loafers go with penny loafers, lady shoes go with lady shoes, pumps go with pumps, you get the idea, boots go with boots. So you have to make room and the way you make room is by moving everything down. So if you get, let's say, boot, a boot, a new lady's boot, and you need to put that in the stock room, then you have to take everything from the boots on down and shift those and you fill up the blank spaces where you've taken stuff out and sold it. And that's how you create the um, extra space. So it's always a pain in the tush when you're the shoe person that takes care of stocking the new shoes and a new shipment comes in with like three or four styles all at the same time. And you, it, you could spend the better part of the day moving things around. Um, Liz, would you be so kind as to go down to um, the office next door to mine? I'm not going to mention any names. And please tell her that I can hear her through the wall. <laughs> she's being a little loud because she's wearing headphones and doesn't realize it. Anyway, um, is that how I learned about sine waves? No, that's not actually. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Here we go. Oh, okay. So this one requires a little story up front. Um, the song is called Euphoria by a band called Indre. And I want to say that they're from Ohio, if memory serves. So I went towards the end of the road rally, um, definitely on Sunday. Um, a young lady came up to the lip of the stage and said, uh, very shy, actually. She was a little timid and, and she was very adorable and polite and sweet and said, hi, my name is Maddie and I'm with the band Indre. And I just want to tell you how much my, my brother's here with me and we're just loving the road rally. This is incredible. Um, she said, we're a touring band. And I thought, well, how cool, but you know, not enough people are willing to go out on the road and smell each other's feet in the back of a van and spend months on end, you know, touring like that. So maybe that night, maybe Liz didn't hear me yet. Hang on. I'm, um, hang on. I'll be right back folks.
No, sorry, Michael. <laughs> sorry, Michael. No problem. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's so hard working in these conditions. <laughs> no, it's Ashmita. Um, next door, uh, I think she's getting a training session right now, and she's on headphones, so a little loud, but that's no problem. And her door was wide open, so... Uh, anyway, so this young lady named Maddie Indre, that's the name of the band. It's also her last name and her brother's last name. And um, I went and checked them out. Maybe that night while I was trying to fall asleep. I don't know. And I was really impressed. I mean, she does all the booking for the band. They do all their own um, social media. They do everything. They are a self-contained unit. And they're doing exactly what an indie band should be doing rather than just sitting home going, oh, we make cool music. I wish somebody would discover us and sign us. They're out there making waves and their music is really good. I, I should let you form your own opinion. Anyway, this is Euphoria by the band Indre. And show them a little love. If you like this, I love indie bands that are out there working for it. So show them some love and go to their site or go to their social media and tell them you heard about them on uh, the Taxi Top 10 because I think they're cool. Here we go. I fell in love, happened in a day, pretty much from the rain, a drive Fell in love, happened in a way. Outside looking insane, the pain from the past can drown, 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 drown. I'm wishing I could share the sound. It all fell from the sky. Don't know what to say. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. You fool, you give me more. 
I love that. It's so fun. And um, yeah. Um, and they're a great looking band. I would say they're all in their early to mid 20s, probably. Um, yeah, maybe I'll feature them in a passenger profile. I've got uh, two half hour segments coming up with uh, Deanna Devincenzi. And so maybe for the, let's see, that'll be November and December. So maybe January, February, I will try to remember to interview Indre. Um, and Indre, if you watch this, if you're coming to LA, please call me, text me, email me. I would love to go to the show. I would love to bring the staff to go see you guys. Very, very proud of you for working so hard and getting it right. Um, They were in a hurry when they recorded that song. Uh, yep, it's Indre from Ohio. Though they played at the open mic, great. Awesome. All right, uh, let's see what else we've got here. We have IDC, which I'm assuming is shorthand for I Don't Care, uh, subtitled Ask Me If I Care. Do you care? Not so much. Um, ooh, and I remember actually I listened to this one while I was doing my setup and I was thinking, man, I would love to get, this is by, and I'm gonna butcher this first name, I'm so sorry. Uh, it's spelled K-J-E-R-S-T-I long, like Kirsty Long or Jersty Long, I'm not sure. Maybe Icelandic? Don't know. Um, and I Don't Care is the IDC. I Don't Care is the name of the song. Anyway, I couldn't help but think uh, the producer in me would love, and the CEO of Taxi in me, would love to get um, the Indre people and Kirsty Long in the same room together. Um, oh, Marion's going to look it up. Okay, K-J-E-R-S-T-I. K-J-E-R-S-T-I. Long. Shirsty um, Long? Maybe. I don't know. Is it Icelandic or Danish? Are you in the chat room, maybe? Could you tell us? Marion's going to look it up. I love it. Marion, the librarian. <laughs> don't take that as an insult. I meant it as an affectionate compliment. All right, here we go. This is IDC. I like plain clothes and I don't post, but a girl can mean that it's TikTok, but I eat guac like it's green ice cream. TV. I like sleep. 
porch in a blue onesie. guys loved it too. Now, I'm going to go back and play a little bit more of Euphoria from Indre. And now, I mean, they don't sound alike. They just sound like they would work well together. So I think that we should start a movement to get the two of them to go into the studio and do something together. So here again, it's like, I'll play like 35, 40 seconds of Euphoria from Indre. I fell in love, happened in a day Pretty mist from the rain A drive with the windows down, 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 down Pushing up to the sound Song fell from the sky And played through the day and night You fool But a girl can mean That it's TikTok But I eat guac Like it's green ice cream I'll say What I wanna say Do What I wanna do Ooh, 
I can absolutely hear the melding of those two things, not to make them sound like one or the other, but what would they sound like if you brought them together? That's the fun of making records, I think. Man, what I wouldn't give to take 90 days off and just lock myself in my old room in New York. It had an SSL 6048 and a mic collection that would make you drool. I think four original Poltex that were recapped and resoldered, um, three LA2, original LA2 tube limiters that were resoldered and recapped. <clears throat> anyway, really good stuff in that room. Um, two EMT 140 plates that uh, I got from Phil, oh God, what was his name? Uh, Phil, who worked with Simon and Garfunkel, um, not Phil Spector. They originally belonged to Phil Spector. He sold them to the other Phil famous producer. And when his studio went out of business, I bought those two plates and put them at HSR in New York. Um, Phil Ramon, thank you. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty kicking room and I would love to take these two acts and put them in the same room and just see what comes out of it. Anyway, I can fantasize. All right, and now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hear from our friend Keith LeBrant. The names of the bands again are Indre, I-N-D-R-E for Indre, and Shirsty Long, which is spelled K-J-E-R-S-T-I Long, as long time coming. Um, all right, this is an instrumental from Keith LeBrant, who, by the way, I think all of you guys know that the Taxi theme song, um, this. Keith created that for me before we did the 2020 virtual road rally. Uh, I called him up and said, I need you to do a piece of music for me that sounds like a TV show opening, you know, in and out. Um, and I want it to sound like uh, early Joe Walsh meets, um, who was the other act? I can't believe I can't think of it. Uh, ZZ Top. ZZ Top meets Joe Walsh. The audio guys at the road rally this year, uh, I gave them that to play when I came on stage. And the night before, uh, so it would have been Thursday night when we were doing like final setup in the ballroom and they were playing it. They couldn't believe, they said, can you believe somebody took that direction and cranked that out? It's perfect. It's exactly what Michael ordered. But here's the cool part is LeBrant did that in like less than an hour. And, and sent it to me, and uh, I said, that's exactly what I want. Perfect. He goes, great, I'll go do a real version of it. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, that's just like a demo. And I said, uh, it's exactly what I wanted, like perfect as it is. So he just did some cut downs of it, and there you go. Anyway, without any further ado, let's listen to Trouble Is My Name by Keith LeBrant.
Okay. Uh, Keith is in the house. So I've got to ask you, Keith, first of all, uh, what was your guitar and what were, what were you going through? What, which, uh, did you go through an app on that or a SIM? And tell the truth. Cause I know you're a chronic liar. <laughs> he's not, he's one of the sweetest guys on the planet. Come on, Keith, tell us your secrets. It was probably a Tonex Sim, okay. Um, which guitar? Humbucker in the bridge, I have a bunch. Really, how many do you have, Keith? Is the door to the basement open? Can your wife hear? <laughs> Anyway, all right, um, obviously Keith is really, really good at getting guitar sounds and playing, and um, he is, how many placements, I, 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 he's a very modest guy, he truly is, but I'm going to make him cough up the number, um, I mean, it's like over, well over 100,000 now, something crazy like that. The Wi-Fi is failing. 105,000. 105,000 plus. Wow. Amazing. Well, you deserve it because not only do you know how to make great music, you understand the art and the craft of making music that works for media. The whole time I'm listening to that, I'm thinking, okay, you could use that for um, all kinds of extreme sports, just all over the place for that. Um, you could use it for Ford F-150 truck commercials, just so many things you can use that for. Um, and you get it. I mean, it, it's like this stuff comes out of you and it's all media friendly. So great job on that. Oh, uh, what did you use for drums on that and the reverb on the drums? I particularly like, so I'm curious. Superior 3, wow, uh, but not sure the kit, uh, it was the verb in the Superior 3, well, it sounded perfect, yeah, tune track, uh, Superior Drummer, um, wow, amazing what you can do today with one guy and a couple of fingers, you know, that didn't come out exactly right, but you get the idea, all right, uh, Let's go on to, this one is called Six Senses by Stephen Neufeld. Stephen, did you grow up in Ottawa, Illinois? Because I did, and our next door neighbors were named the Neufelds. Kid you not. True story. Here we go. Songs for it. 
We are playing some great music today. Yes? Yes. Um, amazing. That again was Stephen Neufeld, Neufeld F-E-L-D, Six Senses. Um, and many of you guys were commenting about Green Day. Um, so I got a little Green Day story, a couple Green Day stories to tell you, actually. <laughs> First one is my wife and I went to an award show. It's like ASCAP Awards, BMI Awards, Grammys. I don't remember what it was, but, you know, one of those fancy things you put on a suit and go pretend you're comfortable in it. Um, and my wife, who's five, three and a half, maybe, walks up to the bar and, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Billy Joe from, Billy Joe from Green Day is standing next to her, like shoulder to shoulder, squeezed into the bar. And he's actually kind of like being a little pushy and like trying to get in front of her. And she looked at him and says, are you like a celebrity or something? Or are you famous? <laughs> and he looked at her like, you have no idea who I am. So that was a funny moment. My wife could care less about anything that has anything to do with like pop culture or, you know, who the hot bands are these days. Um, just doesn't care. We're so different. <laughs> um, or who, who the famous like movie stars are. She doesn't care. Um, and about, oh gosh, had to be, let's see, uh, like 15, 20 years ago, uh, we were involved in some large fundraising for a school that our kids went to. Um, and there's a neighborhood directly behind where I'm sitting right now <clears throat> that's one of LA's wealthiest neighborhoods. Um, uh, Lisa Marie Presley lives there, Stevie Wonder lives there. All kinds of famous people live there, and the houses start at like, you know, 4,000 square feet and go up to like 20,000 square feet. There are houses in there that cost like tens of millions of dollars. It's crazy. And you have to have so many acres of land. Uh, there are people that actually have like horses and sheep and stuff on their property in this super wealthy suburb. So, um, one of the families, Deb and I had to, like after work, each night for like a month, we would go solicit these wealthy people to make sizable donations to the school. And so we went over, um, it was the president of whatever record label, Warner Brothers? I can't remember who Green Day signed to. Um, anyway, the president label was a very, very well-known producer that produced Green Day and eventually became president of label, if I'm not mistaken, and their house was breathtaking. Like, I felt like I walked into the Beverly Hills mansion, Beverly Hillbillies mansion, I mean. Um, and we're waiting for them to come downstairs so we can go into our little fundraising pitch. And uh, they come down and we talk, and they, which like a drink, and they go off, or the husband or wife goes off to the kitchen to pour us bubbly water, whatever. And I noticed there's a room that most people would use for a dining room that in this home, if I remember correctly, was turned into a billiards room. And uh, there was only one platinum record on the wall and it was Green Day. And I said to him, you've produced dozens of golden platinum records. He goes, yeah, but this is the only one that matters enough to be on a wall in my house. And I find that to be true for a lot of people that have a lot of gold and platinum. Shirelli 
does not have a single gold or platinum record in his house. I'm thinking, but no, I, 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 unless he's got them stashed in the bedroom and I've not seen them. Uh, rumor has it that he's got a storage unit with like a hundred of them sitting in there. Um, he does has his, he's got five Grammy awards that are sitting on top of an upright piano, I believe. Um, anyway, humility is a good thing. Uh, Marion caught uh, an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies the other day. They were complaining about people not wanting them to have livestock. You know, I, I'm right there with them. Um, man, if you can't have some goats in your yard, chickens. Love chickens. Love goats, actually. Um, all right. This one is an instrumental called Tighten the Screws by Dan Parks. Let's have a listen. cool um yep definitely chase scene um and the build was great uh the breakdown in the middle was great uh everything about that was like yep very usable see you guys talking about gophers in there um remember during the lockdown when gophers were like a daily topic of discussion in the quarantine happy hours and then i i bought three gopher hawks which uh or device, as long as we're doing art today and I've got a little time on the show, I'll draw you a picture of a gopher, uh, gopher hawk. Okay, this is a very good rendering of a device called the gopher hawk. 
So you find point A and point B where the tunnel goes horizontal across your yard. And you insert the pointy end of the gopher hawk into the tunnel. And then you pull up on this thing. It's spring-loaded. It's kind of like a pogo stick. It's about the width of a pogo stick as well. And you pull it up. And when the gopher goes from point A to point B, there's a little pendulum that sits down there in the pointy part when they go from point A to point B and they hit the pendulum. Let's just say this device has a very strong spring that re you know, does that and the gopher hears angels as it makes its way to gopher heaven. Um, let's just say it dispatches with those pesky gophers a big hurry. They were literally destroying our yard. You can't have a destroyed yard in Southern California. It's not cool. So anyway, I declared war on the gophers. I invested in three gopher hawks. And all of my friends that knew anything about gophers kept saying, you'll never get rid of them. There's always one. There's always a baby that starts another little litter of gophers. And uh, I think I've been gopher free for well over a year right now. And I think part of that was the fact that we had the drought. And nobody was allowed to, like, you could water your lawn for, like, eight minutes a week or something. So, basically, everybody had, like, dirt like bricks in our yards, just solid. You know, couldn't even get a shovel in it. Um, all the grass turned the color of hay. And I kept laughing, thinking, damn gophers, they can't get from point A to point B anymore because they couldn't possibly dig a tunnel. So, there you go. Um, but yeah, if anybody has a gopher thing, check out uh, Gopher Hawk. You can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them directly from the, the website. It takes a little bit of getting used to it to like set them right. And you definitely do not want to get your finger trapped in the gopher hawk because that will definitely require a trip to the hospital, probably some surgery. But um, yep, gophers do not like the gopher hawk, not even a little bit. Oh. So we were talking about goats before. See how I'm burning up that time today before I give away the book I haven't forgotten. So I love goats. I really, really, really love goats. Not male goats so much because they really smell bad, but um, I just think goats are so funny and so cute. So uh, I saw a piece of art one day that I couldn't resist. Um, it's made out of metal window screen as a 3D relief. I don't know if we're going to be able to see that. There you go. That is a 3D relief that's about 18 inches high of a very strange looking coat. <laughs> it's got eyelashes. Wow, one of your neighbors had goats, miniature Nigerians. Those are really tasty. I'm kidding. I did that just to upset Liz. She's vegetarian. She likes a good goat joke every now and then. Um, in my 20s, I, I would fly down to Jamaica from Miami because it was like really cheap to get there. And I would go um, fishing all the time, Jamaican snorkeling, just crazy. And uh, my friend and I that would go there together would rent a room in a Jamaican family's house uh, near a village called Negril, which didn't even have a telephone back when I used to go there. You had to go 20 miles to get to the nearest telephone. 
And uh, I think we paid $8 a week to rent a bedroom with two beds in it in, in the middle of this house. And um, every night the family would make dinner for us. That was included in the $8 a week. So we'd go fishing and snorkeling all day. And it was like a two mile walk up a red clay dirt road into the hills and we would have dinner with the family. But they had a bunch of those little pygmy goats and they were so cute. We'd come home every night and there was one little goat that was brown and white and uh, he would butt me in the back of my leg all the time. He would just run at me and butt me and just stand there and look at me like, that didn't hurt, I'll do it again. And so I played this little game with the goat every night. And then one night I, I came home and um, we were having dinner and it was some sort of curry. And I said, by the way, I didn't see the little brown and white goat. And all of a sudden the <laughs> kids at the table started laughing. He unfortunately was dinner then. <laughs> Sorry, Liz. <laughs> oh man, those little ones are tasty and tender too. Uh, nothing like a good goat joke, I always say. Um, I think I hear Liz screaming at the other end of the hallway. Have you seen goats that live in trees? I have not, but I would love to goat see that. <laughs> All right, we've got one more. You know what? Let's give the book away now and then we'll close out with a song. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Um, if you're not from the United States, please don't enter. And I hate to be incredibly unfair about that, but I'm telling you, the couple of times that we've had to mail books to like the UK or something, it costs way more to send a book to the UK than it would cost to buy like multiple copies of the book. Um, it is awesome, Marion. This this book is you gotta have it. And um, and look, there's the author, Steve Barden, who was a big hit at this year's Road Rally. Um, so what you're gonna do is type in the letter B for book. I'm getting very creative today. B for book, and please don't type in multiple Bs. That's just not so cool and uh there you go we're off and running and then liz is going to run her finger up and down the list go doink and hopefully land on somebody that lives in the u.s um that doesn't have the book hey brad gray how are you i haven't seen you in a while have you been lurking in the background One thing, I love everything about this book, actually, but um, it's got incredible lists of moods and genres and um, moods and feelings. It, it, it's just, there's so many ways that this book can be useful to you. Oh, look, and there's a picture of Steve Barden smiling. <laughs> I think I knew Steve for about for about three years before I got anything but that face from him. <laughs> uh, I love Barden. Tim Walker sings, has an autographed copy. Did you buy it at the Road Rally this year? Wow. <laughs> Marion, Marion's like the book police here. She goes, Steve Aldrich won't be getting the book tonight because he put in multiple, uh, 
Wow, it's so windy. I actually just felt the office building move a little. K.P. Bolden got an autographed copy. Patrick Kane, you are the big winner. Congratulations, Patrick Kane. Hopefully you're not in Europe or Asia or anywhere really far away that we can't afford to send it to. Um, please email Liz, L-I-Z, at taxi.com and give her your mailing address and stuff, and she will send out a book to you. should arrive within a week, maybe less. Who knows? Oh no, Adobe, an update to Flash Player? I thought they quit making Adobe Flash Player, didn't they? That's weird. Wow, Steve put in the letter B for book six times. Being outed by his fellow chat room friends. Shall I say former friends? No. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So here we go. Um, yay, Patrick's in San Jose. Man, we could practically drive it up there. <laughs> well, congratulations. You're going to love this book. I mean, love, love, love the book. Um, Edmund Red wants to know if we can have the Electro Swing play again. Sure. Let me play. I've got one more. This one, I love the name of this track or this song. Um, it's from Chris Caulfield. Um, I always wanted to have a son and name him Caulfield after Holden Caulfield in Catcher in the Rye. Love that book. I think I read that book like five times when I was in high school and college. Um, all right, so this is Stockholm Syndrome from Chris Caulfield. Let's have a listen. Try to prove 
could just start again I just hit the floor again Every day thinking of clever new ways To undo my progress and undo my pain Keep telling myself this is only a phase And now I'm alone and I'm trapped in this space Big spinning by like they just run over days So you're running on empty and I'll start to Chris Caulfield, Stockholm Syndrome. Very cool. I don't know the genre. I mean, it used to be if something had a hip-hop beat, it was some form of hip-hop. That's so not true anymore. Hip-hop beats are everywhere, um, mashed up with just about every genre you could possibly think of. So I don't know. What did you guys think it was genre-wise? And while you are letting us know, I am going to go back to... Flapper Time, the instrumental by Warner Borgia. Um, so we can play it for Edmund because it was cool. Let's have another listen. We got a few minutes.
Klezmer EDM. I'm sure that Klezmer EDM exists. Klezmer hip hop exists. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I love the fact that the industry is so not locked into genres anymore, but it's also at the same time where like anything goes, anything can be mashed up with anything. Country music, forget about it. it it's so free. I remember around the time I was first starting Taxi and um, Shania Twain was becoming a big deal in country music. And the old guard in Nashville was just so up in arms about that. It's like, oh my God, she's bastardizing country music. She's going to ruin it. What she did was brought a lot more country fans to a lot more fans to the country genre. Um, but nowadays, just that's part of what making a hit is, is coming up with something that is number one, still commercial, still has wide appeal uh, and still has a hook and still makes you want to tap your foot and still makes you remember what you just heard or want to sing along with the chorus. All those things I think are still true. Um, there are exceptions, obviously, to every rule, but um, charts. I mean, that's why playlists are playlists and, and charts as we knew them, you know, they still have billboard, they still have billboard charts. Um, and radio stations still, you know, they're urban stations, they're country stations, classical stations, rock stations, oldie stations. So genres are still necessary because you need to put stuff in a box sometimes. Um, but I do hear, as you guys know, I listen to, I listen to television a lot more than I watch it. Um, and I'm shazamming constantly and I'm sitting there thinking, I pray to God we never get a listing for that because what genre would we put it under? And if we don't put it in a genre, it's really hard to drive people to it, to submit if we don't know what to call it. So that's just another little behind the scenes thing at Taxi is, Sometimes there are requests that you can't really pigeonhole, but yet we can't just say a company is looking for a really cool song. Who's going to go look at that? Um, well, maybe a lot of people because everybody thinks they've got a cool song. I don't know. Anyway, with that, uh, we're getting close to the end here. And I just want to wish all of you in the United States a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Wow, it literally sounds like the building is going to be picked up and blown away. Um, it's Santa Ana season here in Southern California. But, you know, Thanksgiving, um, easy to think of football and turkey. But, you know, it's important to be grateful for what you have and family members that are alive and healthy. And so that's all. Just enjoy the holiday. Give everybody a hug. I hope you guys all have a warm and wonderful one. And I will see you next week. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do for next week's show because I'm just trying to get a week's worth of work done by Wednesday afternoon this week because we'll probably bug out from the office a little early in preparation for Thanksgiving. Got to go catch some turkeys, right? Um, I don't, you know what, how about if I reach out to that young lady, uh, from the band Indre and see if I can get her on the show so we can talk about what it's like to be your own booking person and your own, um, social media person 
and your own everything. I, I really want to hear more from those guys. I really like their music, and I'm just so proud of how hard they're obviously working. So maybe I'll give that a shot. Uh, and you guys have a great Thanksgiving. See you one week from today for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live by you guys. Yeah.